1: Hello, and welcome to Everyday Connection, with your hosts, Rico Shields and Jean-Victoria Norlock, bringing your inner light to your everyday life. Welcome everybody to this Tuesday edition of Everyday Connection. I'm Rick Shields and as usual, I have somewhere here, uh, Jean Victoria Norlock. Hi, Rick. Hey, Jean, How you doing?
2: I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> okay. Minor technical difficulties on my end over here, but
1: I, I can't. You know, it, it seems like I can't come up with the same sort of a order pizza thing over the air that that you did, but I love that.
2: It, would, it was a lot of fun. Messing was. with your head. Yeah, uh,
1: I like it when I have I'm, no earthly idea what's going on.
2: <laughs> I, I'm, I'm done. I'm done for now.
1: <laughs>
2: Until I come up with something new.
1: Of course. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> done for now. Now being the key words there. Yeah. So we've got a great show tonight. Uh, I get to participate again a little bit as the house guinea pig. Um, I've been experimenting on myself for six weeks now. <laughs> No. <laughs> hardly hardly experimental, I would say, eating food, but uh, uh, but it seems to be. We seem to have kind of lost track of that. But uh, my inner child likes it. <laughs> oh, that was a really Thanks, bad segue. segue. That, yeah. was, that
2: was such a ragged segue. <laughs>
1: yeah, rough, rough.
2: Awesome. Speaking of our inner child, just a shout out to our guests. Our family from Inner Child um, Radio, who are busy, and Inner Child Press, um, what are they called now? I mean, Inner Child, what? Conglomerate? <laughs> Media mogul? Yeah. Um,
1: Multimedia powerhouse.
2: Multimedia powerhouse, yes, um, who are busily working behind the scenes to put together the new magazine. Um, and, and to our listeners and our fam, who are starting to stagger into the chat room even as we speak.
1: Even as we speak.
2: Even as we speak.
1: Yes, we have the Inner Child magazine with a uh, sort of a preview issue coming out, I guess, tomorrow. And then uh, starting in in full blast on March 1st, Uh, the Tech Guy article will be missing from this preview thing because I was budgeting and I just didn't get them one. I had an old recycled article I thought about sending them, but it was just, I couldn't do it. So (laughs) they'll get a new one Uh, for starting March 1st from the tech guy, that would be me. And, uh, and you would be the community of humanity?
2: Community of humanity, yes. Um, topic that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, if I can, you know, spend time writing about how amazing human beings are, then I'm, I'm content. So it's, it's a huge boost for me and, and exciting to be able to work with our family playing a new game and to be writing about um, the incredible things that human beings do around the world to, you know, support each other and uplift each other. So it's going to be fun.
1: Oh, it's going to be great fun. I've popped the mm-hmm. link up into the uh, uh, chat room. Uh, y'all feel free to check it out. Uh, it's not just Jane and I writing for the magazine, I promise. You. Uh,
3: <laughs>
2: we
1: have everything from food and fun to entertainment to poetry to uh, fashion. Fashion. Uh, Almost like a magazine. Oh, wait, it is a magazine. Okay.
2: It's it's so far beyond just an atypical magazine, though, and this is what I just, I mean, before we get to our incredible, amazing guest who's sitting patiently waiting for us, um, I just want to mention that this is so far beyond a typical magazine. They have really embraced the multimedia energy of, you know, today's society, and so they've got videos in there. They've got um spoken words, they've got recordings. It I mean, the team has just gone all out on this thing and it's just amazing to see that you can go and you can just you can read an article, you can watch a short clip, you can you know, it, I mean, it's just it's it's a cool setup. It really is so much information.
1: Yeah, it's it's a it's a beautiful thing. I've seen the work that they've done so far, and and it's just uh, it's amazing, and uh, quite a labor of love for these guys. So uh, glad we can uh, be a part of it, and uh, we hope everybody will support them. But uh, as we mentioned, having endured our patience test that we give our guests at the beginning of every show, all of our guests are we connect them just before showtime, and and, and so they have to listen to us ramble like this. Uh, Tonight we have with us a uh, doctor, a a medical doctor. Uh, Dr. Terry Walls has been doing some exciting uh, work around uh, diet, exercise, meditation, and uh, their effects that they could have on multiple sclerosis. And uh, I suspect it's applicable to many uh, diseases and conditions. But uh, a miraculous story uh, of her own. Uh, not uh, uh of course handing out any uh direct medical advice to anybody but we are going to talk about her story and uh some uh, uh some general uh uh information on these topics but her story is so miraculous and amazing that uh as soon as I saw it I was I we need Dr. Wallace on the show. So, welcome Dr. Walls. Hello. How are you?
4: Oh, excellent.
1: I should imagine. Walking <laughs> around would be excellent by uh, by comparison.
2: Oh yeah. So so we'll get we'll start right away, Dr. Walsh, with um our atypical uh beginning of the night question, which is who on earth are you and Artharian, what do you do?
4: Okay, so uh I'm an internal medicine physician at the University of Iowa, uh where I teach uh primary care to internal medicine residents. I also uh, am part of a traumatic brain injury clinic, and I do clinical trials testing my intervention the walls protocol in others with progressive multiple sclerosis uh, and We presented our first six months data at the two thousand and eleven neuroscience conference last November uh, and I'm uh, very pleased to say that that first six months data in our pilot study uh, showed that our protocol had led to uh, a marked improvement in fatigue uh and uh we're seeing now improvement in walking speed as well.
2: Now you have quite the fascinating story behind how you came about this um
3: oh yeah well, new well, unique
2: well. yeah new unique perspective on how diet can essentially change um your life and do you mind? Oh, sharing a little bit of that?
4: Sure. Uh, So I, uh, before medical school, was a um, uh, martial artist and competed nationally, uh, a big-time athlete. Went to medical school, uh, dropped out of the uh, uh, national competitions, uh, and did pretty well. Started having some troubles with pain, a little trouble with my vision. My balance wasn't quite as good. Uh, But gradually uh, accommodated to that. Uh, in 2000, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis because uh, I started falling. I went to uh, the Cleveland Clinic because they're an international MS center. Uh, they agreed that I had MS, and I began taking uh, Copaxone, which is a immune suppressant. And uh, the goal is so you don't have any more acute worsening or called relapses. And I actually did quite well. I had only one relapse in three years, so that would be a success. But I had continued gradual decline and had uh, gotten so weak that I couldn't sit up in a standard chair anymore. Fatigue was a big problem. And I was counseled to get a tilt recline wheelchair, Uh, so by 2004, uh, I could walk short distances I uh, needed to spend more of my time in a recliner. Uh, the university uh, redesigned my job multiple times so I could keep working. Uh, and that was when I decided to go back to reading uh, the medical literature uh, about other conditions with shrinking brains. Uh, and I was reading the basic science literature, what uh, they were experiments they are doing in mice and rats. And uh, my conclusion was that mitochondria were very, very important. And I um, identified some vitamins, helpful for mitochondria, which I started taking. It seemed like the rapidity of my decline slowed. I was very grateful. Uh, But I continued to teach myself uh, or relearn the basic sciences around the uh, brain function. And got a longer and longer list of nutrients that were really important to the brain. Started taking those in pill form. And then I had the uh, major insight was that I should figure out where these nutrients, these vitamins, minerals, essential fats, where they were in the food supply. And through that, I I learned more and more about the paleolithic or the hunter-gatherer diet and structured that diet uh, to match that long list of nutrients that I identified as uh, so important. And, and so I started that in the fall of 2007. That was a time where I was losing my phone, my keys.
0: Uh, I
4: was close as having problems with my memory. I could walk short distances using two canes. I could not sit in a standard chair. I had to be uh, laying back in a recliner or in bed. And I assumed that I was going to soon uh, be unable uh, to work at all, that the university had run out of options for me. Uh, And that's where I was, November of uh, 2007. I uh, started this very structured paleo diet, uh, some more focused supplements, uh, meditation, massage, exercise, neuromuscular electrical stimulation of my muscles. Uh, Three months later, I could walk using one cane between exam rooms, as in clinic. Five months later, I could walk around the hospital uh, without a cane. I still limped, but I was walking uh, really quite well without a cane. Uh, nine months later, I was able to ride my bike again. In fact, did a 19-mile bike ride with my family. Uh, the year after that, I did a trail ride in the Canadian Rockies when I was doing a lecture up in Canada. And the year after that, I uh, had uh, funding to do a clinical trial testing my interventions, uh, everything that I had done in that first year, and others with uh, progressive MS, and those are the people who are, who are right now are finishing up that first year. And incidentally, uh, our study subjects did not want to quit, so uh, the study was originally written for just one year, but because our, our subjects really wanted to continue doing everything, uh, we asked and did get permission. Uh, to follow them for uh, three years in total.
1: Oh, beautiful. I I I can understand them not wanting to quit.
4: (laughs) Oh, yeah. um, Their lives are absolutely being changed in a very phenomenal way.
2: Now, I'm going to ask some really basic, simple questions because um, I come from this from the angle of somebody who has absolutely no idea what these disorders are. Um, Now,
4: if I'm clear... Muscular sclerosis is a neuromuscular disorder? Correct. It's a problem involving the spinal cord and the brain that keeps the uh, body and the brain from communicating as effectively. So it would could show up as a weakness, balance problem, or a sensory problem, uh, leading to problems with hearing, vision, or problems with pain. Now, would the... the-
2: Um, family of diseases dis-ease like Mm -hmm. fibromyalgia um, myofascial pain syndrome and and others like that would they all fall into the same Yeah, neuropathy would they all fall into the same category
4: well uh, let me step back for a moment I I, I should uh, begin with my usual disclaimer I put out whenever I'm uh, lecturing in public and that's that the FDA has not evaluated any of the statements um, that I make in my books, on my website, or these types of presentations. Nor are these uh, comments intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I am trying to teach people how to feed their cells and let their cells, as they improve their function, do whatever they're going to do for that person's body. Now, the question I think you were you had raised was, um, these there are a variety of health problems such as fibromyalgia, neuropathies, uh, mood disorders, perhaps. How are they related to one another? Would that be a fair,
3: yeah. fair phrase? Yeah. Yeah.
4: Okay. So uh, there are many, many health conditions that, at the root cause of the problem, is the fact that the biochemistry is happening incorrectly and the wrong molecules are getting made. Uh, allowing for a variety of uh, bad things to happen, which in my clinic I will then diagnose as fibromyalgia or MS or Lyme's disease. But the root problem is this broken chemistry. So when I look back at the root problems, uh, for many of these conditions, the root problem could be intolerances to the protein in wheat, rye, and barley, known as gluten, or protein uh, in milk known as casein. And so uh, chronic pain, fatigue, uh, fibromyalgia, autoimmune problems, mood disorders, asthma, uh, allergies, skin rashes, the root cause for all of those problems can be uh, food sensitivities. And so by teaching uh, the public how to clean up their diet, get rid of the white flour, white sugar, high corn syrup, dump all of that out. Instead, eat non-starchy vegetables, berries, meats, um, that will markedly reduce the food allergies. And for many, many chronic health problems, experience far more energy vitality as their cells can do the chemistry of life more correctly.
1: And um, I know that it was kind of a novel approach, uh, that you took, uh, you kind of threw out this idea of multiple sclerosis and instead looked at what, well, brain is sh- shrinking, myelin is degrading, uh, which for example, in my, I have a uh, peripheral neuropathy, which, uh, I've been recovering from very slowly for four years now. Um, yeah. I learned to walk all over again and, uh, And and I'm doing fairly well, but had sort of stalled out um, before I found your material. But uh, instead of trying to look at this constellation that that is known as multiple sclerosis, you sort of broke it down into, okay, this isn't working right, and this isn't working right. What can I do to those? I thought that was a very novel approach. And one reason I thought that it might be applicable in my case, because you talked about... uh, Uh, degeneration of myelin, and uh, uh, my neuropathy has been described to me as, you know, uh, uh, my nerves are a bundle of wires, and the insulation between them, which would be myelin, is gone, so they're short-circuiting and doing all kinds of strange things, like... uh,
3: Yeah.
4: When we look at the cellular level uh, for many of our diseases that affect uh, the brain and the nerves, we see that... In all of them, the mitochondria are not working well. In all of them, the myelin begins to not work very well. In all of them, brain cells die too soon and the brain is slowly shrinking. Uh, And if I look at my medical problems that I see in my primary care clinics, heart disease, diabetes, high blood pressure, arthritis, autoimmune problems, I see the same kind of things. The mitochondria are not working very well. Um, we see that the cell, uh, some of the cell structures aren't being made properly, such as the membranes around the cell and the receptors in the cell That sort of like the uh, communication relay switches. Right. All, all of this comes down to the cell not having the building blocks it needs through the chemistry of life. So if you don't have the right building blocks, the structures get made improperly or not at all.
1: Yeah, if you need, Which, you need tried to build a high-rise building with aluminum instead of steel, it would fall down.
4: It's it's not going to go anywhere. Right. You know, and I find in my clinics, um, my patients understand that when I, when I go through that metaphor that, um, the drugs may control the symptoms, but they don't give the cells the right building blocks. It's, um, to do that, we have to teach them how to eat. They have a little, uh, you know, seven-question screeners, so I know what people are eating. And I, we have these uh, lovely uh, charts I, I walk through, and I'm able to show them that, based on their responses, they're missing these kinds of foods that their cells need. And then we walk through, so it comes out to plateful plate full of greens, plateful plate full of sulfur-rich vegetables, a plate full of color, uh, plus enough protein. Uh, and... Yeah, my um uh, residents and medical students laughed to oh, you, Doctor Walls, you it's the same diet for everyone. And I go, Yeah, it is. This is the diet that our ancestors were eating fifty thousand years ago. Now it was still adapted to each locality differently. Um but our our ancestors had learned, you know, hundreds of generations ago what foods in that locality were poisonous and harmful and what foods promoted health. Uh, And there's a tremendous wisdom in that uh, hunter-gatherer societies that unfortunately are lost and we've destroyed those habitats. And so now scientists like myself are trying to use the concepts from the hunter-gatherer plus what we know about what cells need to do the chemistry of life properly. Between that framework of the hunter-gatherer and what we know from biochemically, I'm trying to create a structure so you and I can become modern-day hunter-gatherers and know what food groups we need to thrive. Uh, yeah, and that's really how I design the diet. And you know, I I continue to learn, continue to refine uh, as we go through our clinical trials, uh, and I have more experience that many do well just going the nine cups of vegetables, and for some that's enough. But others, I have to get to the at least gluten-free, dairy-free. And there are still others who are going to have to go the whole way and uh, give up grains and really be Paleolithic.
1: So we sort of have a scientific basis now for understanding why this hunter-gatherer Paleolithic diet really is perhaps superior, certainly superior to the processed foods that we eat today.
4: Correct. You know, when you have the hunter-gatherer diet, you're not having any sugar, white flour, high fructose corn syrup. You don't have – you have the carbs that is are just part of, you know, your cauliflower, broccoli, lettuce, uh, green beans, berries. So there are some carbs there and plenty for what our body needs, but we don't need much insulin to control the blood sugar. Uh, and we have a much more even absorption of our nutrients. Far more vitamins, minerals, essential fats, the things that our cells need. If we have the standard Western diet, way too many white flour, sugar, high fructose corn syrup foods, lots of insulin that's required, and the excess sugar uh, goes about oxidizing, putting cross-links in the proteins in our structures, things like our blood vessels uh, begin to get stiff, our heart gets stiff. Our pancreas becomes less effective. Our brain uh, becomes more uh, inflamed, and that's in response to the white sugar, white flour, high fructose corn syrup kind of diet.
1: Right. That that was uh, that was my downfall. I had pancreatitis uh, through a combination oh, yeah. of a very high sugar, high white bread, uh, fast food uh, soaked uh, along with uh, plenty of alcohol for marinade, and my pancreas just finally said, okay, that's it. I'm not working for you anymore. I'm getting a new box. And and through that period and then I was uh, in a suburban hospital and was misdiagnosed as having uh, diabetes because my blood sugar was high and, uh, uh, of course, my uh, uh, internist that I saw afterwards that's a family friend said, well, of course you're Blood sugar was high, your pancreas was shut down <laughs> uh yeah. you can't you said you can't take somebody in that sort of a critical condition and use that one set of lab results to make a diagnosis, but that's what they did in my case. so I also had a month of taking um uh, uh diabetic- diabetic medications when I wasn't diabetic, and uh, that yeah. resulted in a lot of uh near passing out and and um uh Uh, lots of fun that i had with the medical community but then i uh through my father who has some great social connections uh i got connected with uh who i understand is a a pretty good neurologist um i want to on my next appointment take him a copy of your study because he works with a lot of ms patients um and he works with a lot of neuropathy patients and um uh and he told me from the very beginning, he said, there really isn't anything I can do to make you better, except make sure you don't make yourself worse. And right. um, and then I have these pills I can give you to control your pain, because I had a lot of false pain signals uh, that would come from my feet, uh, from this nerve cross, short-circuiting and. Uh, you know, I might step on something, not feel it at all, uh, but then I might be lying in bed perfectly still and feel like a red hot spike had just wandered through my foot. It was really a pleasant experience. Um, but he made it pretty clear. He said, We, we don't know any way to make nerves better. Uh, we know what kills them, but we don't know what to do to make them better. So take a double dose of vitamins. He told me just get, hey, no special vitamin need thing, just go get vitamins, take double what they say, and then take these pills to relieve the pain. And uh, uh, he did recommend some physical therapy. Um, You know, he did say, you may want to rest, but you do need to get some exercise if you're going to get through this. So he was good on the exercise front. And and perhaps on to something, because he was on about this double dose vitamins. Every time I saw him, it was, are you still taking the double dose vitamins? almost didn't care if I was taking the meds. He just wanted to know if I was taking the double dose vitamins, but it 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 seems that you've discovered and uh, when we when we talk about my 6 weeks on your plan that I've discovered that it makes a huge difference whether you're getting those nutrients out of a pill or getting them in the natural forms where they occur along with all the cofactors and unidentified Compounds that are in these plants. I mean, there's thousands of compounds oh, in a plant, and we don't we know two or three, or we may isolate on one and say here put that in a pill, but it leaves out all the rest. And
4: for example, folate. We'll say this is the the molecule that we think is the most biologically active, but there are um, multiple compounds, right, similar to folate, that have a variety of biologic activities. So getting your folate from green plants, you get that whole family of uh, B vitamins, vitamins A, vitamin C, A, K, um, and you have much more biologic activity. Furthermore, if we look at the primates, our closest relatives, uh, they eat uh, diets that look very much like the Wallace diet. Lots and lots and lots of greens, sulfur, uh, some bright color, and occasional meat. Uh, so I, I think that those primate diets are probably much closer to what our physiology expects.
1: Well, and I've heard it said from uh, even one of our previous guests that uh, everything we need is here in its natural form. It's only when we try to mess with it that it doesn't, perhaps perform as expected um. and,
4: and the uh, vitamins in your vitamin pills are more often than not synthetically made uh, and so they they aren't exactly the same structure as what will occur in nature okay it's so just because just I want to clarify that
2: yeah. um, because many people believe when they go to the store and they buy a vitamin in fact for many years I believed <laughs> if I go to the store and I buy a vitamin I'm getting exactly, you know, I'm getting a pill that's derived from natural source because that to me would be the logical thing to do is to take the natural vitamins out of the natural product and put it into a pill that is easier to digest because in Western society we have horrible habits with regards to eating.
4: So the more more common uh processes uh, vitamins are made uh synthetically so there may That's be m- there may be vitamins you can get from food many more are made synthetically and furthermore uh some of those synthetic vi- vitamins are now made with genetically modified bacteria and yeast so uh, for a host of reasons i would far rather you have the food Uh, that people get their uh, vitamins and minerals through food. Uh, There are uh, circumstances where targeted vitamins and supplement use makes a lot of sense, and I will do that in my clinical practice. Uh, And that's why I think it's really important to take these concepts, talk to your personal provider, uh, and they can uh, let you know, do they need to be modified in some way for your particular issues? Uh, And there will be times that it may be relevant for you to take uh, some targeted vitamins and supplements. Uh, For example, vitamin D. Uh, Most Americans, since we live inside now and work inside, are experiencing relatively severe vitamin D deficiency.
2: Yes, I am a winter-depressed baby. Yes. Most certainly.
3: Um,
1: So someone who is uh, relatively healthy um in their in their eyes, and in you know most eyes uh that's listening um might be listening to this or have seen your uh your video talk there's certainly um, it seems to me certainly no harm in eating food um,
4: it's generally safe
1: and um uh you know unless they have some specific food allergy or something that they probably are aware of.
4: So the, the issues could be kidney stones or uh, taking medicine to thin the blood. That would probably be the two most common.
1: Right, right. I know. Uh, I know my father, uh, in his mid 80s, uh, is on Coumadin, and so he has to watch the vitamin K intake um, yes. in in his greens. But um, it makes me wonder if he had started eating the Walls Protocol when he was my age and was in generally good health but but fairly overweight. Um if he might not have arrived at his mid eighties not needing the cumadin, Um but Correct. there's no way to know unless we went back and did that. But uh um, well, it, it, um it, I, I know that in my in, in my instance I, I um like I say I had been uh, recovering for about four years and for about that last eighteen months uh, I had been sort of of a mind that, well, <clears throat> I haven't seen any change in quite a while. And every time I'd bring that up to uh, my neurologist, he would say, I would say, if this is all the better it gets, he would snap his head around and look at me and he'd say, it has to get better. It's a self-correcting system as long as you don't screw it up. And and and, and I would change the subject. But it seemed as, well, I know that subjectively there had been no change. I know from my... Uh, EMG and conductance profiles uh, that they had been, well, these bits over here are a little better, but these bits are a little worse, so we're calling it no change for, you know, two or three studies, um, you know, which is a half a morning of being stuck with needles and shot with, uh, I, I politely call it the taser. Uh, <clears throat> I'm sure you know, the tech that does my that part of the test always says, don't we don't say that word on this floor. But <laughs> Uh, they shoot electricity through my legs and, and measure yeah. speed of propagation oh. or something.
4: Speed of pain, yes.
1: And um, uh, so it seemed to me like, and of course, I was I, I I was not being able to walk, and now I can walk. So I I was like, look, this is great, guys. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I have a little pain hour or two at night, but you do This is really awesome. This is cool. Um, but nothing was changing. Nothing was any different at all. And I am seeing lots of change since I have uh, begun the, uh, or I, let me say, a transition into the Wallace Protocol. And I'm sure it is a, for many people, a transition uh, m- to move from their standard diet. And of course, uh, being a middle-aged bachelor, I didn't really have a standard diet uh, besides junk. Um, and uh, and I find that I don't – I'd get up in the morning and eat breakfast tacos, eggs and bacon and potatoes and grease and tor- flour tortillas. And by 10 a.m., 10.30, I was hungry again. I get up now, and I have about two cups of berries. Now, I, I still will put um, a tablespoon or two of uh, Greek-style yogurt on it, which I know is – it, not in accordance with the book, but that uh, that well, it wasn't mentioned in the video. Don't laugh at me now, I'm, I'm I'm
2: I'm laughing because it's such an honest and true representation of of how this is going to work for a lot of people. I mean, let's face it. Um, and I know that Dr. Walz has said the same thing herself. It's, it's not like one day you're going to wake up and just suddenly switch over to this diet. I, I, the average person is going to, like you said, have to transition into it, and there's going to be little cheats like you with your yogurt. But,
1: but I, 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 I do find that I go all the way till noon or one without getting hungry. And, and you, you
2: have been dedicated to it because every time I'm meeting you, you're out. Oh, I got to go get my greens.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good man. And, um, well, I'm. I have been through something. Uh, not. Uh, not nearly as distressing as what you went through, but I I went through having my ability to walk, my ability to go from the couch to the kitchen because I wanted something uh, taken from me. And that really motivates a person. And um, uh, I hope that some of our listeners who are, as we said, healthy, um, might think about some of the things that we're talking about in that I my... Cells were fed improperly for some 40 years uh, before they finally gave out and said enough. And probably had I not been drinking heavily, I was in a line of work where socials and get-togethers and things were common and they were always alcohol-laced. But had I not had that on top, I probably wouldn't have had such an acute problem and might have gone on with you know, just garnering type 2 diabetes and slowly continuing to decay. And um, I've been doing this for six weeks, folks. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Again, this is my unique uh, experience. But I I have for six weeks. I saw this video and I said, what do you mean? Oh, myelin degenerate mitochondria. And I'm familiar with mitochondria. I'm going to ask for a little better discussion of what they are because they're of immaculate structures, but um in six weeks' time uh I am more energetic, I feel more alert um, I am able to walk farther. that's my main form of exercise. I'm not doing physical therapy at this time uh and uh, but i walk i've been walking about thirty minutes a day I'm up to forty five minutes a day and with less. Exhaustion after walking, I used to walk ten minutes and I'd have to come home, back and lay down for ten to recover. Um, and the most amazing thing to me was uh, just during last week, I guess, I decided to take a nice hot soak in a bath, which i don't I almost never do. I shower uh, you know American male training we, we, we don't bathe, we shower but uh, so I drew a bath and and I went to step in, which I didn't think would be anything big. Um and I put my foot in and it was extraordinarily hot and I jerked my foot back out. And everybody's like, Okay, what's the big deal? I have had prior to that, I have had no hot and cold sensation below the knee for four oh,
4: years. That's exciting. And um Isn't that cool?
2: Um I remember that day.
1: Yeah, I was like, the bath was hot, the bath was hot. I can
2: feel my feet <laughs> He was and, so excited. He was like a little kid in a candy store. I can feel my feet.
3: And and, you
4: know, I, and I see that in my clinic that when people you know, embrace these changes and make and uh, eat for health, they come back and report steady improvements.
1: Uh, it's very gratifying. Yeah, and it's it's like I said. It has not been anything stressful. We're, 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 uh, you don't really recommend people eat, uh, you know, slugs or caterpillars or grasshoppers or anything really strange. It's
4: uh, Although if that's culturally appropriate for their ethnic group, that would be fine.
1: Sure, sure. That would be better than corn-fed beef. It's probably but,
3: healthy to boot, but that's yeah, the point. Yeah, absolutely.
1: But, um, uh, and some people, I'm sure, uh, don't agree with the organ meat uh, part of the diet. Uh, i I'm not a big fan, but I've also been told I've never just, I've just never had it done right, cooked right. But, um, uh, but I've done some, I've done some other research, uh, since I first, I'm the research guy. Uh, Jane doesn't ever research anything. She's the surprise girl. And, um, uh, uh, but I've done some looking at, uh, grass fed beef and, one place in particular, Wellness Meats here in the in the U.S. Um, they've got the studies to prove that even if you have grass-fed cattle up until their last uh, one of the places I used to get my beef from, and I used to say, "Well, it's mo- it's grass-fed, pasture-fed," but this company takes them for their last 140 days, bolts them into a feedlot, and feeds them grain, and that it takes. Sometimes yeah. as little as a week or two for the CLA and the omega-3, omega-6 balance to go completely out the window.
4: Yep, doesn't take long.
1: That 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 you put them on the and it it, it struck me one day it was like wait a minute, we're trying to get us off grain, so why would we eat cows that are eating grain? Because they didn't eat grain probably. I've never seen a cow left to its own devices go pick corn. Correct. Uh, sure. But, no,
2: I grew up in dairy country, and uh, you, I mean, I've never seen a cow in a field looking for looking for wheat.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. Now, if the wheat's just sprouted and looks like grass, that they might eat. But, they might uh, eat it
2: when it's still green, yeah. but um, yeah, no, um, certainly not.
1: And so, there's there are uh, findable, definable, with our current science, provable differences between. Commercial feedlot beef and a fully grass-fed for life. Not uh, uh, also uh, mentioned about the adrenaline overloading on tissues if you scare the,
3: mm-hmm. if
1: you terrify the cattle right before you slaughter them. Um, and I've been fortunate enough to find a local farm out here that they raise their beef on grass. They uh, ensure that they don't uh, have a stressful situation uh, at slaughter. They even test for stress hormones um, uh, from time to time just to see that their systems are working. Um, Once I've started looking, the amount of evidence that shows why these things are different nutritionally is is overwhelming.
3: Yes.
4: Lots of evidence on uh, how inadequate our diet is and how... Uh, traditional diets have so much more vitamin, mineral, phytonutrient content. And it really comes down to taking out all the flour, uh, potatoes, corn uh, out of the diet, and the quality of the diet nearly always improves. So it's um,
2: soon time for a short musical break. Sure. But when we come back, yes. I would like to um, address a couple situations. Um or a couple topics actually i'd like to expand on this education that rick has given himself and talk about the importance of people educating themselves for the benefit of their own health and i'd like to talk a little more about the emotional and the psychological implications of a disorder such as ms and how you manage to overcome that part
1: Ooh, good one. as a part of
2: your healing process
1: I haven't talked intercal- about the meditation or any of the other parts of the we've just yeah. talked about the nine cups so yep. far. Uh my fault, oh, I, I I saw the video and, and I wanted to stick just to that. What if somebody saw this? Would they get benefit? And and my answer is absolutely. Um uh, so uh gosh, what should we play?
2: I think um stuff. I know
1: <laughs> more Jordan about limitations or I think
2: Jordan dirt? would be appropriate. Or, absolutely.
1: Okay. It ain't too hard, maybe, because this has not been hard. Um, And uh, so I'll do that and then I'll answer your question, Bill. We'll be back in about four minutes, folks. Stay with us. back everybody. That was our good friend Jordan uh, Okren. I've put his uh, link in the chat room and it will of course be up on tonight's archive about uh, 30 minutes to an hour after the show. Well I'm, I'm, I'm just excited. I don't know what to do next because I've been waiting for what a week, 10 days now to it's all I could do not to call Dr. Walls and go I can feel my feet when it's hot. It's cold.
4: <laughs> <laughs> you know in That improvement should continue probably for the next uh, seven years. You'll uh, likely experience uh, slow, steady improvement. Often problems with uh, poor sensation neuropathy are related to uh, low folate, low B12, sometimes low pyridoxine, sometimes uh, omega-3 fatty acid deficiencies, uh, other times uh, heavy metal poisoning. So going paleo having organ meats which are really your best source for uh folate uh B12 uh and many of the B vitamins if you uh have some uh liver liver pate uh chopped liver for example uh you, that might be very beneficial for someone suffering with a neuropathy.
1: Yeah, I don't want to give the impression that to to people that I after 4 years of struggle I'm cured in 6 weeks. Um uh, i I'm not what I would call normal, but the fact that I have progress and change again as opposed to this is as good as it's going to get is just extraordinarily exciting and um uh, this this could be tied too to the increase in some of these diseases it 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 was only about uh fifty years ago that we moved from a mostly agrarian to a mostly city based uh, society in the States, but not 50, 1950, 1960, somewhere in there. Uh, so people used to eat vegetables and greens out of their own gardens and meat from their own cattle and that they grazed on their own pastures. So even though they were not hunter-gatherers, they were still closer to that diet than they are to this. Uh, you show one picture in your in your video, Uh, of an American family and what they eat in a week and almost all of it was in brightly colored boxes or bottles. Uh, I don't think I saw any produce bags much. Bananas. Correct. They had fresh bananas.
4: There was not much uh, for fresh fruit and vegetables. And that's typical of what Americans are eating. We eat very few. uh, If you look at the grocery store, it's mostly processed foods. There's a very small fragment of that store that is fresh produce or frozen produce.
2: Even even the meats
4: um, that you get in your a typical grocery
2: store, you have to be very careful. Um, I remember I grew up in dairy country, so we had fresh meat from the butchers um, available, readily available at any time we wanted it. And so I have no taste for frozen meats whatsoever. Um but most of the most of the meat that's now presented as fresh meat in the grocery store is actually um, fast frozen and then thawed mm-hmm. before it's put on the shelves, and people don't realize that. So you have to check your labels.
1: Well, and some of that difference uh, that I always blamed, uh, you know, about the, the the texture of the meat that I always blamed on freezing. I, I have since discovered is because it's it's grain fed. The the, the grass fed meat that I've had uh, since I started this um, reminds me more of the meat that I ate when I was a little kid than what I can just get on this average grocery store shelf today. And uh, and I think that applies to. It doesn't matter if it's which USDA level it is, or whether it's certified Angus or certified this or certified that. If it's not grass-fed meat, uh, then it just doesn't uh, it doesn't it, it doesn't really matter um, because we're sort of turning it all into vanilla high. I it, it, you go read the agriculture reports that are written for cattlemen. You put them on this corn-fed diet because they'll fatten up more quickly. Well, yeah, just like oh. us. <laughs> um, yeah. anyway.
2: So, can we, can, may I ask how, um, I, I'm going to be blunt, here you are, you're with stage 2 MS, you're a doctor,
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so basically you know you're screwed.
4: Correct, absolutely, I knew that.
2: Okay, so let's get into the let's get into the psycholo- psychology behind the I really don't care if they tell me that I'm screwed or not, I'm gonna find a way to get my
4: life back. So I uh, I'm gonna uh sort of recant, recount my story here for you. Uh so two thousand four I'm in the tilt-reclined wheelchair, um and trying to figure out how to uh reinvent my life. Uh, as I get more and more disabled, continue to find meaning. Uh, and at that time, I have uh, kids in elementary age school. Uh, and part of what I do is uh, the meaning in the MS is that it uh, is a framework for teaching my kids uh, values and perseverance and, you know, hang in there. Um, then, uh the following year, I, one of my colleagues uh, and I, we decide that for the medical students, I will give them a lecture about uh, the experience of having a chronic disease. And uh, we do a case-based learning. I wrote up the uh, case for MS. And then I gave the lecture as the patient uh, at the end. And that was actually a very healing thing to have done Uh, because here I was claiming the gift that having MS had given me in how I was able to teach uh, my family values and how I had learned a great deal about being a doc and a patient, and I was passing that on to the medical students and the residents. Uh, And that was a useful meaning for my illness. When I um, was continuing to decline, I uh, keep reading the literature, at this point, I fully have accepted that as I get more disabled, it's never going to come back, I won't be biking, I won't be running, and that's just not part of my reality anymore. And I've accepted that. Um, and then I have the good fortune to discover electrical stimulation. Uh, and I'm thinking very deeply about what are all the uh, behavioral lifestyle things I can do and make an intentional decision to take all these behaviors and point them towards uh, a healthier circumstance, uh, you know, then I redo my diet. And I must say all of this was done as an attempt to continue to be able to walk those few steps that I that I could. It had not occurred to me that I might not just stay flat and stable, but could actually improve. In fact, I had to have uh, – Really, a dramatic level of improvement. Before I began to risk entertaining the question, the wonder of, you know, how 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 much improvement might I be able to achieve?
2: Well, I can imagine because as a doctor, uh, the reality of your disease would have been, you know, very glaring and obvious to you.
3: Yes, yeah.
2: So, and it's and has anybody other than you ever had such a intense reversal at well, such a late stage?
4: If you um are searching through PubMed for case reports on uh recovery from primary uh MS and secondary progressive MS, there are not many case reports uh written that show people with uh, so advanced that they can't sit up there in a tilt-reclined wheelchair uh, coming back with progressive MS. Uh, we're not finding any in the uh, scientific literature. There are some reports in the lay press, You know, and many of these come around to, uh, there's some reports of, of someone going on raw vegan and having uh reversal of their disease uh, in the lay press. There are also reports of going on a paleo diet and having a reversal of their disease. Uh, there are not many reports in the scientific literature.
1: And that's sort of one of the gifts that you're giving us in your position. You can structure yeah. and conduct studies that then more traditional medicine can. Is the traditional medicine line, secondary progressive MS, is your... So-
4: Steady deterioration.
1: Yeah, you're just going to get worse and eventually going to pass away. So,
4: so uh, I've been writing grants, sending off, uh, trying to get more funding. Uh, we did get uh, funding to add MRIs into our second wave of patients, and uh, we're in going going through all the approval processes right now for that. I'm uh, writing a grant to the NIH for about $3 million to uh, do my the next level of study, which would include a control arm, and that will be the results from that study, and that will be a three-year study. We'll do it over five years. The results from that study is what it would take for the scientific community to say, okay, uh, your treatment plan is superior to uh, usual care. Right now, um, it's a single arm study. It's what we call a safety study. To show how large the effect size is, and uh, let, which lets me then uh, calculate how big my next study needs to be to show a difference. And I must say, whenever you can say that a you expect to have a statistically significant results with as few as ten people, you've got a effect size that is huge, just phenomenally large. Huge. Correct.
1: Yeah, because yep. this all has to fit in the statistics and all the perturbations Correct. they do after studies are done for review, eh? It, we
4: we ha we have to uh do this with rigorous science um so that my colleagues can say, Yes, this is valid, or the science can inform me that, you know, my current study uh interventions need to be improved upon. But you know, certainly our, our safety study is looking very good. We have a very dramatic effect size, and uh, I'm going to be very excited to get uh, the MRIs and some of the additional nutrition studies that we'll do in this next wave. You know, so in essence, we, we have a $100,000 worth of uh, more exotic testing that we're going to be able to do uh, in this second wave that we uh, didn't have the funds for uh, the first uh, 10 that came through.
1: That's excellent.
4: You know, it and you know, people ask me am I gonna do more research? So uh, my response is yes, but I have to find people who are willing to uh pay for the research. So we're uh sending off uh grants. I've also created a foundation, the Walls Foundation, uh, so that people have a way of donating to support the research. The income we get from the lectures and the books uh are used to fund the research as well.
2: So that leads me to um, one of those more difficult questions how is this work being received by um, by Western medicine
4: so it it, it takes a it's a long process to go from uh, scientific research into clinical changing clinical practice that's often 10 to 30 years Uh, I'll tell you uh, in this last year I've been giving uh, grand rounds and presentations uh, uh, throughout the Midwest, nationally, and then I've also gone up to Canada. Um, And so various institutions around the country and around the world are hearing about my work uh, and having me uh, come speak. Our research uh, has been submitted to international meetings and has been presented. We're in the process of writing up uh our first 6 months of findings and uh getting that uh submitted uh it it's a long uh tedious process uh physicians of course are uh, very skeptical as we should be uh so it's presenting the science uh discussing the molecules explaining the physiology uh doing the experiments uh and Uh, In my case, we now have a conflict of interest policy in place, so our statistician uh, double-checks all the stats to make sure that we're uh, looking at this with a uh, non-biased eye. So I think the best thing we can do is uh, rigorous science, Uh, keep writing grants, uh, going out there, uh, because it's my job now to... uh, Uh, raise the next $2 million so we can take this study to the next level.
2: And and that goes back to that um, responsibility issue, because here's somebody who has seen that it works, because you lived it.
3: Yep. But you're
2: still so in alignment with your responsibilities as a physician that you're not willing to go out into the public and say, see, I have an answer, until you've done... The studies to prove
4: that.
3: uh, I'll
4: I'll I'll modify that a bit. I'm doing both. Actually, I'm doing a lot of things. I'm I'm teaching our medical students, our our uh, kids coming through the training programs in PT, nursing, uh, physicians, teaching those folks. I'm uh, conducting clinical trials, testing my interventions and others. I'm teaching other physicians. And I'm out uh, writing grants, raising funds, conducting clinical trials, testing. uh, Will this intervention help others with progressive MS? Is the intervention things that people can do, are willing to do and sustain? And do we harm anyone along the way? Uh, Now, the next study after that will be uh, a control arm that will be able to show In theory, the question I'm going to ask is we assume that the control arm will get steadily worse, the intervention arm will get steadily better. That control arm, then after six months, they get to get into our intervention. We presume that they will begin to get steadily better as well. And then we'll follow those two groups for three years. And being able to do that uh, will cost about two and a half million bucks. Uh, Hopefully we'll get it from the NIH. Uh, Money's tight. It's difficult and we may be in a position that we're going to have to raise that uh money ourselves uh from people around the globe who believe in the work that we are doing well that doesn't seem too
2: daunting a task for a woman who went from a wheelchair to going to bike ride in the mountains
4: it seems like it's something we should be able to do
1: something doable yeah
4: you know I, i'm quite convinced uh the NIH may or may not uh be able to give us Money for such a radically different intervention, hopefully they will um, the and either they will or they won't. Our next step will be uh begin to uh put campaigns out uh to those who are following me to help fund our next study because that's the study that will need to happen. We need to have a control arm uh to show the difference uh, and yes, it's Absolutely. two million bucks it's a lot of money. But that is what's going to be required to answer the question, will the walls diet uh, be really capable of stopping and reversing progressive MS, both primary progressive and secondary progressive?
1: And I will say one word in support of the medical community. We perhaps don't do that enough here uh, because we believe in natural alternatives if they're available. But you really wouldn't want the medical community as as the whole community to just take every idea that came along. It's not just think if you've been reading the newspaper, watching the news over the course of the last two years, if you take that out to 10 years, there's been, you know, in 1997, we had a study that showed that too much salt does this. In 1998, we had a study that shows not enough salt does this. You can't, it's hard to sort that out. Without yeah. some way of, of uh, and, and of course in the case of the Wals uh, diet, the, the, the Wals protocol, it's hardly as as dangerous as some of the things that uh, people have come up with and shown a brief study that wasn't a controlled study, etc., but a brief little study that says, "Oh, this is good."
4: Uh, you know, in in, in my book, uh, Mighty My Mitochondria, I, I, I talk about what I did why did it, uh, and help hopefully educate people on how you design a diet to maximize your nutrition for your brain. Um, And I fully acknowledge that the research isn't there yet to say that this can be generalized and will help everyone. There's a reason to think that it may be beneficial. Um, But it's it's really more of a conversation about here's what I did and why. Talk to your doc. Think about implementing the parts that make sense. Because I know if we wait for the the double blind, uh, randomized controlled trials, that's thirty years. Yeah. And it will be too late for everyone who's afflicted now. So, I broke some more rules and said, "Okay, here's what I did and why," and invite the public to uh, then decide how they wish to use that information.
2: And that opens up the doorway also for that. That self-education thing, because we now live in an age where um, educating yourself is is super easy to do. Yeah. And I I don't mean that everything out there is truth. I'm not saying go on Google and take everything that you read as fact. But the studies are published online, and there is documentation out there. And if you really want to gain an understanding of how this change in diet can affect your state of well-being then you have to take the time to educate yourself on this stuff and, and right. when it's for your well-being, you know, not just your own well-being but that of your family as well because if you can get them into eating the same foods then that's more than one life you've probably saved so
1: I mean as we've said on the show before when we've had alternative practitioners on virtually all of them, and I know uh, Jean in her book on healing, Crashing Back to Earth, that it's not a question of I'm going to go to the doctor or I'm going to go see this nutritionist. It's a question of building a healing team uh, for yourself and and, and allowing those components to work together because uh, as Dr. Walls pointed out, there are some conditions, they're, I wouldn't think overly common yet, but some conditions where too much spinach and other vi- high vitamin K greens might interfere with what your doctor's doing and and you don't want these complementary, the- you want them to be complementary, not adversarial yeah. um, and uh, so, uh, as I said I'm planning to take a copy now that the, uh, uh, the study's out, the PDF I'm going to print it and take it with me to my doctor's office he may talk well, yeah. back at me, but I'm going to take it to him.
2: Oh, yeah. because you too often somebody say, well, it's my doctor. He's going to push pills on me. And, and in some cases, that that might be a truth. But for, for my own experiences, I've, I've experienced that if you open up communication with your doctor and you discuss these ideas with him or her, then, I mean, you're opening the door for
4: all sorts of new information to flow. Imagine the radical thing of saying, you know, Doc, I've been thinking about adding more vegetables and berries to my diet. Sort of working up to about three platefuls a day. Any problem with that? The doc will probably go like, "Oh my God, that that would be really great."
3: Your occasionally,
4: doctor- occasionally, the going to have to tell you, you know, uh, I'm worried about ox, you know, oxalic acid because of kidney stones or vitamin K. But the majority of, for the majority of health issues to tell your doc that you're thinking about eating more vegetables and berries, they're going to be thrilled for the vast majority of medical problems that I see in my primary care and in the traumatic brain injury clinics. That would absolutely be the case.
1: Yeah, many of them may have grown tired of suggesting that many years ago because nobody ever took them up on it.
4: Well, sad to say there are uh, way too many uh, physicians who um, never really uh, were well-educated on nutrition. And so these docs don't understand uh, the healing power of uh, the nutrition.
1: So we do have a question that I promised I would ask uh, from the chat room. Uh, they're continuing to have their own sideline discussion on it, so they may have cured the whole situation. I don't know. Gene uh, has, you know, the bad habit of doing that. But, uh, oh, now, say I even retyped the question so I wouldn't lose it off the chat room. The it's
2: minute. it's Machu's, and he's he's young. Uh, Machu's is,
1: is, yeah, 17 years old, almost 18. And he's having pretty severe pain in his upper back and shoulder, Um uh, Type in again, Matt, if I'm not getting it right. uh, That some days is to the point it's debilitating. Uh, And and
2: I'd like to mention that he just um, recently tossed away his antidepressants, and he's feeling great about doing that, and he's doing a lot of work um, meditative-wise and and looking at his life and how to improve it emotionally.
1: During the show, he's had marshmallows and, 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 well, he did turn down the Pop-Tart. So,
2: he did turn down the Pop-Tart, because uh, yes, he was listening to Dr. Wall. wanted want to
1: know if there were any spe- okay. specific nutrients you might, could suggest? So, yeah. uh, so uh,
4: talking about uh, chronic pain problems, uh, I'm going to throw in some fibromyalgia, uh, chronic fatigue issues. Uh, so those three areas are uh, altogether too common. Things that I'm thinking about, uh, what are the vitamin D levels? I would want to get the vitamin D to somewhere between 50 and 100 nanograms per mil. So I would get a a blood level and then titrate a replacement for that. So what Uh, do I
2: need to eat to up my vitamin D? You need sunshine. Sunshine?
4: Sunshine and cod liver oil. Uh, Uh, And then a uh, vitamin D replacement.
1: Okay. Our our bodies Uh, make the vitamin D in the sunshine. our,
4: Our skin will make vitamin D in response to sunlight. Or a tanning bed.
1: My other
2: half has been pushing me to go tanning for because <laughs> he has he has um, he ran into a young lady who is a fibromyalgia patient and she swears by the tanning bed.
4: Yeah, you fix your vitamin D though, you get a nice deep dark tan, and your vitamin D will be in uh, a good healthy range. When you take it by supplements, then you need to get your uh, blood levels monitored. Okay. So what so, else? So first thing we do, we'd fix the vitamin D level. Um I uh, would also be thinking about mitochondria not working well when somebody has fatigue and pain. Uh I'd be wanting to resuscitate the mitochondria using B vitamins, um, uh organ meats would be particularly helpful. Uh and you could take uh try and find some recipes to make the heart, tongue, gizzard, liver Uh, easier to consume, and they really can be quite, quite tasty. Uh, So with chronic fatigue, I I would be pushing organ meats uh, three times a week. Uh, And, of course, you'd want to have uh, organic grass-fed animals for that. Uh, Then I think about fibromyalgia. And often for that circumstance, the problem has to do with food allergies that were not recognized. And so going at least gluten free, dairy free, uh can be very helpful. Uh for some that would be enough. For others, uh we'll need to get them to go all the way paleolithic. Uh take out potatoes, grain, and legumes. Sometimes you have to take out the nightshades as well. That's uh tomatoes, eggplants, peppers, and potatoes. Uh that food allergies can be a bit more complicated uh and Working with a provider that knows about food allergies uh, sometimes is required, although I certainly have many folks who uh, put themselves through uh, nine cups, then gluten-free, dairy-free, and then paleo, and have are feeling great, and so there's no need to take them through a food uh, allergy assessment. All
1: right, so uh, someone in those cases, fibromyalgia, uh, chronic fatigue,
4: uh, chronic, chronic pain.
1: pain uh, it, it, it sounds like it would be the case that the Walls Protocol would be very fitting for him. Perhaps. Would probably
4: be very helpful.
2: You know, uh, Matius is finding this a little daunting. So,
1: well, let's talk. Let's talk a little more about the nine cups because I saw somebody type nine cups of vegetables earlier, and that's not exactly what we're saying. It is. But
2: so. And I want to oh. know what
4: mitochondria are.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. Let's so. do
4: mitochondria first. Okay. Those are the little tiny uh, subunits within the cell uh, that manage the uh, power for that cell because the cell needs power to manage all of the biochemistry. And so the mitochondria need to have a, a whole host of B vitamins, sulfur, and antioxidants, that would be like the bright colors, in order to work at maximal efficiency. If we have chronic infections, our mitochondria get uh, turned off, and instead of having thousands of healthy mitochondria in a cell, I may have just a few mitochondria, and I'm much more likely to be exhausted. So to resuscitate those mitochondria... You need lots of greens, uh, a lot of organ meat, uh, bright colors, sulfur-containing vegetables. Uh, Sometimes uh, we have to do more intensive things uh, and work with a provider who understands nutrition. Then we could be talking about things like hyperbaric oxygen, uh, glutathione, IV, uh, vitamin C, uh, etc., For the majority, uh, aggressive diet, paleolithic diets can result in dramatic uh, improvement, although not always. And in that circumstance, I would go find a uh, provider who's had a lot of training in functional medicine, food allergy testing, to help uh, do some more testing and devise a protocol specific to that individual.
1: But it it certainly is possible in 17 years to begin suffering from some structural uh, abnormalities in mitochondria due to malnutrition.
4: Oh, absolutely. Okay.
1: Because some would – that's why he thought I was making it sound like he was too young to ask questions. But I was just wanting to call out how young he is to have difficulties like that. But we're having type 2 diabetes in – school children today aren't we
4: we're we're seeing diabetes in school children we're seeing all sorts of behavior problems mood problems learning disabilities and when i look at what children are being allowed to eat and consume we are absolutely starving their brains for the building blocks brain cells need to make the uh structures of the brain properly the result is kids with autism autism spectrum disorder mood disorders we have Uh, uh, some people are saying a quarter of our children with some sort of psychiatric mental health mood, learning problems in schools. This is untenable. We are destroying our future by allowing our children to become so unwell, and they are unwell because they eat crap. And we're letting them eat white flour, white sugar, high fructose corn syrup, robbing their brains, destroying their futures.
1: Yeah, at 48, I, when I was a little child, my mother stayed at home. She cooked all of our meals. Uh, uh, we ate a much more balanced diet than I did once I got out. But uh, uh, as I've begun to see friends with children, and I, I, I've seen a lot of children that I think survive on McDonald's hamburgers and Kool-Aid, and there's just no nutrition in that calories to keep you from dropping dead, perhaps, but that's about it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
4: Uh, They're definitely going to uh, have their brains become progressively uh, more damaged.
1: Could lead to some intention deficit, I would think, having a little brain damage and malnutrition. Oh,
4: yeah. attention Uh, deficit, uh, irritability, uh, more uh, schoolyard fights, uh, bad things.
1: We have a question um, uh, from one of our listeners it says "I'm pretty turned off by the organ meats myself, but they may help my iron deficiency and anemia yes,
4: oh absolutely and uh but like tell parents that when their kids are exposed to a new food, expect it will take twenty introductions uh to uh tolerate that new taste. I advocate something called the yuck rule." If the kid says, yuck, they get that food 20 more times. uh, And they get a second serving before they get any other food. So uh, in our house, food is always good. Some food is just particularly spectacular. um, And uh, kids know that they have a serving of vegetables, and, yes, they have to consume that serving, or they get two servings.
1: But your uh, teen's, You've reported are particularly fond of your kale chips.
4: Yes, yes, very much. Kale
1: so. is quite a wonder food.
4: Uh, yeah, about. you know, and cooked greens really can be uh, magnificent. My kid, both my kids love cooked greens. It's a matter of getting some good recipes. Uh, I suppose
1: they, that is worth pointing out is that this is not. It's not demanded that all this stuff be raw and all this. You'd like it to all be organic and grass fed in the meats, but. Yeah but you can cook it, you can find some meat recipes that make it palatable to you. Um, Nobody's suggesting that you go hunting and rip the liver out of something and eat it.
4: (laughs) I'm not saying
1: that. Um,
4: That would definitely be a He-Man thing to do, but uh, some public health concerns with that.
1: Yeah, to say the least. Uh, Although, uh, would wild uh, meats, I have some friends that have a... uh, Uh, wild harvest uh, operation, they harvest uh, deer and uh, antelope and and, uh, hogs, that that would probably be acceptable under the grass-fed meat's general category? Yes, Uh, it
4: would. Now, in Iowa, I know our uh, deer is eating uh, a fair amount on the uh, genetically modified corn. So, uh, yes, that's not quite as ideal no I think the deer are still getting most of their foodstuffs uh from the wood during the fall. They'll move into the corn um but it, most animals if given a choice between a genetically modified food source and uh wild they'll choose wild
1: right right and um and these guys you know, and,
4: if our food, and if our food was labeled genetically modified and not genetically modified. Humans would probably choose wild as well. I, I don't think many of us would would intentionally choose to have a uh, genetically modified food source.
1: I don't there, think
2: so. <laughs> there is a way to find out um, what foods in your in your grocery store are genetically modified. Is there not? I mean, do
4: uh, they not? At, so my advice is: presume everything that is not labeled organic is genetically modified. Or has genetically modified components in in the food, particularly if it's processed food.
1: Right. Because I'm not aware now that that meat producers, oh, they, we don't have any so, gen, course, genetically modified cows, but they don't have to tell you what kind of corn they fed their cows.
4: Right, and there's a request to approve genetically modified alfalfa. That will make it extremely difficult to keep that out of the. Uh, food, uh, supply, uh, uh, little bees will cross pollinate and those genes will escape.
1: Absolutely. Alfalfa was a big deal on my brother-in-law's farm when I was growing up. Yep. Um, and we fed it to the cows. They, they grazed on it.
4: Yeah. It's good so stuff. that
1: would get it into the whole food supply quick. Um, So one question I had, because I've seen you comment on this, uh, uh, sort of like, well, there's no organic, but but there's fresh stuff, and there's frozen organic, and there's frozen stuff. How would that sort of spread out?
4: Okay, so my uh, first thing, organic, non-organic, you could go to the Environmental Working Group uh, online, uh, and they have a list of the Dirty Dozen and the Clean Fifteen, I believe they update every year so you can I, learn which foods are the most important to have organic and which uh, are safer and conventionally grown food uh, may be less hazardous. So that's one step that, that you can take. Uh, in terms of um, uh, ideal, for example, my meats, I like to buy uh, directly from the farmer that I know uh, and and buy specific animals, that way I know the animal's healthy. Uh, And I look for grass-fed, organic uh, meats. Uh, For your produce, uh, you can, uh, in my case, I buy a share in a farm called Community Sponsored Agriculture. I pay for my share, uh, and I'll have food from the beginning of April through the beginning of December, uh, whatever is in season for that week. Uh, you can go to a local uh, farmer's market, and you can go to your grocer. Just because food's in a farmer's market doesn't mean that's necessarily organic. You'll need to inquire about that. Um, ideally, you can grow some food in container gardens. Uh, you could uh, grow sprouts uh, in your home or mushrooms in your home. You don't need sunlight for either sprouts or mushrooms. Um, yeah, and it's very easy to mix in uh, some vegetables in with your uh, existing flower beds. Uh, fresh, immediately out of the ground and eating uh, is ideal. Uh, fresh frozen, so if you freeze something uh, so you've gotten uh, frozen, that's fine. Uh, canned is okay. Uh, you've lost a bunch of the vitamins and minerals uh, that will be in the juice. So if you have anything canned, don't pour the juice down the drain because then you're pouring away the vitamins and minerals. Um, Dehydration. If you dehydrate at less than a...
1: No. Hello.
4: Hi.
2: Uh-oh. Did we lose her?
1: Um, I think we... I think we lost Blog Talk, or we've lost we've lost Dr. Walls. Her battery may have run dead. If not, I'm sure we'll have her back just momentarily. We're getting close to the end of our time. Um, why don't we take a quick break and see if it comes back together? If not, we'll let us do let you do your reading, and we'll be out. Does that okay, sound okay? Good?
2: well, you could just do the reading now. While we're trying to get her back, and then let her
1: take okay, a night. CB2E. Well, that's three minutes. So, here's Jean, reading from her third book, Crashing Back to Earth. And stay with us, folks. We will be right back.
2: In every person's life, there comes a time when they find themselves lost in a sea of doubt. You know what? You've heard those words before. There is no point in stating the obvious. I vowed to myself that if I was to take on a project such as this, I would pour as much of my heart and soul into it as I could without bleeding myself dry. Using outdated and overused sayings and ideals to get my message through would be an insult to you and the purpose of this work, so I won't waste your time. You need to see me, hear me, and feel the real me if my words are going to set your spirit free. So this is me telling you that in my world there is no room for dwelling on mistakes or misfortunes. There is no time to whine and pout about our sorrows. If that seems harsh, then so be it. Harsh is what it must be if that is what it takes to inspire you to action. Every person reading or hearing this has known what it means to lose faith each and every one of you has tasted the bitterness of defeat looked into the eyes of loss even if it was only the smallest of things that you have been forced to give up you know from personal experience how much it hurts to have something you cherish taken away. The magical, wonderful thing about this is that you are still here. You did not quit. You did not give up. You did not walk away from or hide from the challenges that life presents. You lived. You will continue to do so, growing stronger each day in the knowledge that by the power of your will, by the discovery of your own inner strength and courage, you will be here to fight another day. There are those out there who would claim that merely writing or saying the words is not enough that the stories we share do not have a large enough impact on our world. I admit, this idea had me folding in on myself. For one such as me, whose passion it is to learn and share through her writing the things she has seen, the thought of my contribution not being enough came close to destroying the very core of who I am. Yet when I took the time to reflect on it, I realized just how powerful words can be. They say the pen is mightier than the sword, so I say, Out pen, pare pare, thrust, lunge, out pen, for victory! But what does that mean? It means that there is never a time when it is okay to say I give up. It means that there is never a time when it is okay to say I give in. It means that there is never a time when it is okay to say I can't. You can, you will, you are.
1: That was our very own Jane.
2: You can, you will, you are.
1: I'm going to start recording part my part of the show. and Then I can <laughs> chat with people in the chat room. Um, I am taking it from... Aha. I see her back online now. Should That's we try awesome. to
2: get Dr. Wells back? We should try to get Dr. Wells back just long enough so she can uh, say goodnight and... Um
1: just so to we can you know,
2: and appreciation I'm from the chat room.
1: How did she not come back in here? I don't know. I say I had the conference, and it's saying she's already here, but I don't have a thing I could call her. <laughs> uh, oh. Maybe because she's trying to call us but I can't answer her because it won't show me she's calling. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Now, let's try. Ha-ha.
2: Wonderful.
4: Hello?
1: Hi there. There she is. Can Wonderful. you
4: hear us, Dr. Walls? Yes.
1: Oh, good. Uh, well, we were just... Uh, Really, at, uh, towards the end of the show, we were going to have to cut off the questions anyway. Uh, such a, amazing information, and uh, I can tell everybody is uh, is hungry for it. So. Uh, yeah, there's so us... much
2: love for you in the chat room right now.
1: Yes, very much so. <laughs> right. And um, so, tell us one more time. I've put links in the chat room for uh, for our guests, and they will be on the archive. But for any of our podcast listeners. Tell us one more time where they can find some more information uh, and, uh, and and your work on the web.
4: Uh, so go visit uh, thewallsfoundation.com, uh, Terry Walls, T-E-R-R-Y, Walls, W-A-H-L-S.com. Uh, you can go look at my book, Mindy, My Mitochondria, and one can look at the TEDx video, which tells my story and uh, the diet I advocate, in Minding Your Mitochondria. Uh, it's a TEDx, T-E-D-X, uh, that was presented in uh, Iowa City last fall. Wonderful. And then let me put out one more plea. Uh, uh, visit the Walls Foundation. Think about donating uh, funds to support the research. The next level study that's going to be needed to show that this definitely works. Uh, it will cost us about two million dollars uh, to conduct. Uh, we'll need to figure out how to get that those funds, so we can take this to the next level. And, and
2: by all means, because we'll make sure that her um, link to her foundation and to the video, um, to her TED talk are on our website tonight. We would like to encourage our listeners, as as we so often do, to pass this information around. Um, to your friends, to your family, to let people know about this work being done because up until recently a diagnosis of MS was a death sentence and here is an opportunity for us to really examine our diet, to study it in a scientific manner and to change the way that society looks at our food. So we need to stand behind this woman and what she's doing.
1: Yeah, and if you you say, well, I can't, I'm not gonna go look at the thewallsfoundation.com because I don't have any money, I can't. Su-. You can support this by sharing the link on your Facebook wall, talking about it. Uh, check out the diet for yourself. Uh, it's not in- directly in the study, but you would have good reason to believe that it- this could be helpful to wow the laundry list depression. Uh, ADD
2: uh, chronic fatigue, chronic pain
1: violence in schools uh, it it, even small jaws that don't have enough room for all your teeth which tend to relate back to brain size I I mean I don't know about you I don't want my brain doing any shrinking I want it to stay right where it is I can barely remember enough stuff if it shrinks I won't be able to remember anything
2: uh, we're no, we making a movie, uh, darn it. We don't have time for memory loss. That's um, right. Um, you, if you don't have the money, that's okay. You know, we understand funds are, are tight for a lot of people right now. We get that. But pass the information on, then. Let's help to make this idea go viral.
1: Pass it to your daughter that's a nursing student, like mine is, because I bet they're not covering this. Talk to your study. kids
2: in, who who happen to be going to school. Encourage them to talk to their teachers, and to make this a discussion.
1: Because if we've in their got double-blind studies one day that that show that this really is causing problems with youth, then the schools might change their diet. But we don't have, as Dr. Wall said, the thirty years to wait for that. So pass it around. Absolutely. All right, well.
2: It's such an honor and such a privilege, Dr. Walsh, to have had you on the show tonight. I just want to thank you for that, um, for bringing hope to so many out there.
4: Thank you. I'm thrilled to have my life back, and I'm thrilled to uh, help spread the word that others can choose to get their lives back, too.
1: Brilliant. All right, folks. We hope you will join us again. We have tremendous conversations like this, Twice a week. <laughs>
3: it's
1: but so cool. uh, this has been fantastic, and I personally attest that things are getting better uh, with the Walls Protocol coming in my house. So check it out.
4: All right. Thank you, guys.
1: Thank All you right, very thanks.
2: much, Dr. Walls. Take care. All right, guys. We love you. Good night. Um, we'll see you again on Thursday That's when we night. have. RC Mallory coming in from the Philippines. It will be his Friday morning.
1: Live from the Philippines.
2: (laughs) Live from the Philippines. Amazing
1: young man. Come and listen.
2: Absolutely incredible. Till then. Good night. And stay connected.
1: Good night. Join Rick and Jean again next time. Until then, visit their website at EverydayConnection.me. And be sure to like their Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash Everyday Connection. Worried you might miss an episode? Don't worry. Subscribe. Find us on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free. Just like your Everyday Connection.